Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that's a little bit worried about its reservation at the Cambridge Red Deer Hotel right about now. It's uh, time to do a little New Year stargazing. Taylor, how's it going? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. That intro is amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, laugh, wow. laugh through the pain. Laugh through the pain. I mean, that's that's where we're at. So, you know, that's just what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> It finally, you know, feels like the rest of the world is aligning to where the Dallas Stars, the rest of the hockey world, rather, is aligning to what we went through as Dallas Stars fans last season. And it's not not pleasant, I would say. It's really not great. <laughs> Understatement of the century, probably. Um, it's, it's really, really not, great. not great. You know, it's, it's so weird because, like, on the Defending Big D Twitter account a couple days ago, um, an Avalanche fan was like, you know, us Avalanche fans have been waiting patiently. If these games get canceled, what do we do? And I'm like, dude, there are no winners here. Like, yeah. It does not matter. Um, and also, while, yes, I would love to see entertainment in front of me, a little concerning that the stars have went from one to six to eight to 11 players <laughs> in COVID protocol. Uh, and they're probably not done yet because three of them that they put on the COVID list on Wednesday, Ryan Suter, Jamie, Ben, and whoever else it was, insert player, oh, Luke Glendini. Um, two of those guys were on the ice <laughs> with the only healthy guys left. I mean, it, it does <laughs> seem... As as much as I'm all for work and hard work and all that, so it does it does seem like if somebody's positive, given given what we know, if if somebody's positive, maybe holding practice is not the way. You know, get, give it a couple of days. Have the guys you can do film sessions remotely. Like have them have them chill out just a little bit while things get taken care of, right? Well, you know, the thing is, is they actually did do that. I mean, the league paused for no, the, the, the league certainly did. Yes, no, the league paused for the holidays. The stars weren't on the ice the twenty third through the twenty sixth or whatever. So there were a couple of days. So they put Yanni Hockenpah on the COVID list on Christmas Eve on the twenty fourth, um, and they'd already been off the ice for a day. Their game being canceled, and then. Um, they had six more or five more cases when they returned from that break. Look, we're just going to follow the line back. This is all National Predators' fault. Uh, if y'all didn't know, you can you can follow it back. They played the Chicago Blackhawks, who turned around and played Dallas. And then all of a sudden, Dallas has an outbreak. Nashville was, a, was in the midst of having like 10 players on the COVID list at that point in time. So... I'm just saying it's Nashville's fault. But yeah, they were off the ice. And, and I think that what we're seeing really is the the transmissibility, if that's the word, of the Omicron variants. I mean, you have to assume that that's probably what's going through the NHL right now, just given how quickly it's spread. Yeah. And, and especially if you take if you take the league statement at their word for, you know, when you look at the vaccination rates and what tends to be happening with this, you know, so far, and I'm knocking knocking on wooden surfaces here, right? So far, it's, it's spreading quickly through a vaccinated population, but what we haven't seen yet, certainly doesn't sound like anybody's having any fun with it, right? But what we haven't seen yet are, are reports of 
you know, serious illness, serious hospitalization, the like. So you're right. It does seem to line up with what we're seeing everywhere, which is it doesn't seem to be stalled much by the vaccines, but it does seem to be mitigated at least somewhat knocking wood, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Rick Bonus, they finally met with the, the media. So, you know, they closed practices to the general public, which I was like, haven't they been all season, but whatever. But then they closed them to the media as well, um, coming out of the Christmas holiday. And then, and then they were like, so no Zoom availabilities up until uh, Tuesday. And so on Tuesday, we finally were able to talk to him. And he said that while they have practically at this point almost as many players as they had back in January with the COVID outbreak it's not nearly as as um symptomatic and they're not nearly as uh like the symptoms aren't as bad so if if anyone is feeling bad it's pretty mild which is good and you know bodes well for guys at home who are in quarantine being able to maintain their fitness level through you know uh, workouts at their home gyms or in their home spaces, whatever yeah, they can do. And sw- swinging to it, you know, it's, it's obviously there's a human good that people aren't severely sick. But the other the other bit of good is while all of this is going on, the NHL continues to postpone and continues to cancel games. And we as Stars fans know firsthand what a schedule looks like once large swaths of postponements have to be accounted for. So anticipating that the, you know, the, this doesn't see, you know, it doesn't seem to be over league wide yet, certainly. And I think it's it's foolish to come into the second half of the season thinking that there aren't going to be at least some, you know, some schedule shuffling, some games move clumps here, clumps there. Right. So anything that can be done to mitigate kind of the effect on, you know, anaerobic ability, energy levels, whatever you want to call it, right? The 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 least the less disruption the better, knowing that this group is likely going to have to play at least portions of a condensed schedule here down the line. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, I, I think that the schedule in some ways it could it could be I mean, they got better? they got three weeks back, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, like in some ways, although and and we'll talk about you know Olympic participation here in a second and what that means, but or will we? Or will we? Um, I mean, I'm assuming. That's we will. I mean, that's a tease. I'm trying to keep them in. You know, I don't want anybody to like <laughs> tune out. Tune out until that segment. Um, but, but yeah, so so like in some ways you've got some time left and and I actually looked at the schedule of the American Airlines Center and and while uh there's pockets in there of stretches where they wouldn't be able to uh book anything I mean the Dallas Mavericks are at home a lot in the month of February um I don't know if that was on purpose or not but they do have still a, a manageable number of nights in there where they could uh make up some of these postponed games and I mean, I don't know what the league is league's mentality is going to be in terms of shuffling around opponents. Like, m- there's a possibility that, you know, maybe because I don't know if y'all have looked at April, um, but April was going to be maybe not so fun for literally anybody. Um, I think the Dallas Stars were practically playing a month's long worth of season schedule similar to last year uh, in April because of the condensement that they had to do to account for the Olympic break. So 
there's a possibility that they could just reshuffle the entirety of the schedule from like February onward. Or because they already have the dates, you know, maybe you shuffle around opponents. Uh, I, I would be curious because to then see you get if into they tried bunch- to border issues with the canadian teams right right that, that's a, another so like, wrinkle here like you know there's there's a game in april where dallas is supposed to play i believe it's winnipeg and and i think when i actually wrote about this on the side i said you know why don't you just move that game into february and play winnipeg two nights in a row at the american airlines center both of them are home games anyway you alleviate a back-to-back in april but also you you reduce the travel and exposure of the Canadian team because they're in one place. You can kind of semi bubble them, you know, on the road, whatever. And so you just get those games out of the way faster. So I do wonder if we might start seeing some of that. Um, Or so I I don't know until we start seeing the revised schedules come out, uh, what the league is considering. And I think that's it's revised schedules. But I think before you get to the revised schedules, like there are the situation amongst not just the Dallas Stars, but league wide is still very much developing. So, you know, they're they games continue to be moved. Players continue to be positive inside Dallas and out. So a part of me wonders if, if we even have some ways to go before there's enough availability certainty to start looking at the schedule and work on you know game adjustments. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so words, the Dallas fun. Stars don't <laughs> even know, like, the team and the players themselves, they don't even know when they're getting on the ice next. So they're like, we're playing it or preparing as if it will be Sunday, January 2nd on the road at the Arizona Coyotes. But I think there's still a very good chance that that game gets pushed. Um, and then that would would move their date back to January 6th, the first, you know, scheduled game after that is January 6th. So, I mean, that's over two and a half weeks of being shut down because of this COVID outbreak. And the other thing is, it's not just the Dallas squad that this is impacting. Uh, it's also their te- the Texas squad down in the AHL. They have something like 15 players that are COVID positive right now. 15 <laughs> players in the AHL's only unvaccinated player. So there we go. Yeah. So like, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot going on. Um, and that's, and that's uh, realistically um, to people wondering why Dallas, you know, hasn't just recalled with the changes to have a taxi squad through the end of January and all this other stuff that the NHL and NHLPA have announced over the past week. That's why they can't even field an entire team. Even if you went to the depths of your <laughs> AHL you roster, uh, four of those 15 players that are positive right now aren't on um, two-way contracts. So 11 um, impacted, I believe it's four defensemen and um, seven, no. Yeah, four defensemen and seven forwards. Um, <laughs> you can't, you don't have anyone. You literally would have to bring up guys from the East AHL into the NHL. And and I don't think that the league's ready to quite go there yet. It's It would be something. It, the, there's that. And then I think as well with Dallas, and we'll get into a little bit of the practical implications here. This is one of the areas where there is something of an advantage to having the AHL team so close at hand. And even even without all of the reasons that you've just pointed out that it hasn't happened yet, Dallas is notorious for 
waiting on on things like call-ups because it really just takes a couple of hours to get assuming the texas stars are home obviously assuming both teams are home obviously but you know you can you can get a player from cedar park to dallas in fairly short order so they've they've traditionally been um you know when they're calling guys up they'll they'll wait and get them an ahl game you know an extra ahl game they they don't rush in other words well part of that is just managing your cap so like Mm -hmm. Hats off to the stars for being able to do that. Um, so a lot of that is driven for that reason. But, um, you know, in a situation like this, <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it's possible you might start seeing guys testing out of protocol at the AHL level and then immediately getting the call to be like, all right, now get your car. I mean, and let's, let's just, just, you know, getting into brutal math, but is there a way that this can be spun as a, good thing and that they're getting it out of the way like is it at the risk of being you know let's just dive into logistics right is it better to have this happen while the entire league is going through it during what is already a stoppage in play versus having this pop up like you know a month earlier or a month later when a a stretch of games is potentially in mid-swing oh absolutely i think it puts everybody on even footing right like this isn't going to be a scenario where Dallas is starting the season two weeks behind everyone else. Um, and then also has the state trying to kill us in the middle of that too. Um, you know, and condensing their schedule even further. So I think it puts everybody on more even ground because I mean, at this rate, I don't know that there's a single team that doesn't have some kind of impacted scheduling that's going to have to occur. So, you know, I think in the, in some ways, I mean, you'd good. rather be you'd rather be Dallas going through it right now than the New York Islanders going through it at the start of the season when there wasn't as sympathy is the wrong word, but but you know they weren't they didn't reschedule a lot of games early on when it was just the Islanders and just the Senators and you know a handful of teams going through it. So like, you know, if 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 they'd had those problems earlier, they would have had to you know, trot out some pretty bare bones rosters. And at least now there's a chance that the next time they take, you know, there could be a handful of AHL players on it, but at least the next time they take the ice, it it's every possibility that they take the ice with a largely NHL complete squad. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, had it, had it continued to be isolated to just the Calgary Flames, to just the New York Islanders, to, you know, these teams that seem to have these pockets of outbursts and then it would kind of settle down. I think we would still continue to see the league trying to get through as many of these um, games as possible. But then the other part that plays into it is the fact that Canada just announced, like, you're back to 50% capacity maximum in-person live events so as they try to stem the outbreak of omicron in in their country so i you know the nhl and there's already word there on that point there's already some some talk about helping the canadian teams from a revenue perspective and moving some of the games if, if they can shuffle home games out of a stretch where they're going to be limited attendance there's at least some conversation about doing that if if they think that they're going to get full buildings later in the season can something be done with the schedule yeah so you know in some ways that that's also going to mean like for dallas maybe you have winnipeg come to town and they're here for three or four games in a row does that suck from a fan perspective sure I mean, you like variety. Everybody likes variety. It's why they call it the size of life. I will say, unless, but... unless the stars win, in which case I don't particularly care who they play. 
Exactly. <laughs> Especially the, between between last season and stretches of this season, I would take a week's worth of games against the Arizona Coyotes if it meant Dallas might win a couple of them. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? But yeah, so so I think there's you know I, there's so many moving parts. There's so many unknowns that honestly you just kind of have to roll with it all. You just have to pretty much wake up every day and say what's going to happen today, yeah, and be surprised by basically nothing. <laughs> you know, at least the stars have have some experience doing so. So let's let's get out of the you know we let's get out of the COVID zone just for a minute and and talk about some actual real life hockey before um, before we just drive each other completely crazy with with miserable open ended unanswerable questions that we can't control. So as we as we sit and talk. Dallas is is sitting at what is it 32 points 29 games played that is a good for one two three four five sixth place in their division right behind Winnipeg they're an even five and five over the last 10 they've won two in a row of course before that modest two game winning streak there was what the five game losing streak before that was the seven game winning so it's it's been a season as they say even without all the virus stuff we'd, we'd be pulling out our hair give me a a just a, a brief summary of, of where on earth are the Dallas Stars right now <laughs> easy questions right I don't think they even know and 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 so that makes it really hard for us. You know, we're not in the locker room. We're not in the meetings. We don't know what's said behind closed doors. Um, this team has shown that they have the ability to go both ways. They could absolutely be a lottery team <laughs> if they tried hard enough. Um, they could absolutely rattle off, you know, 10-game winning streak coming out of this and just completely annihilate, you know, and make up ground. The one thing that plays in their favor is that they do still have games in hand on pretty much the majority of their. Uh, I mean, they've Except got for Colorado. Game, they've got game in hand. They've so they've played twenty nine. Minnesota ahead of them in the in the division. Minnesota's played thirty. Nashville has thirty. The Blues have thirty one. Nashville has thirty one. Then the NHL's website is behind. Um. The NHL app says. Oh, there you go. The app is correct. Yes, the app is correct. Google is wrong. Of course, it's Google's fault. So, yeah. So, um, Nashville has played 31. Anaheim has played. Good God. Seeing them that high in the standings is insane. So, Dallas sits 12th in the conference. And they have, I mean, they're really, they don't have more than three games on anybody. To To be completely honest, they're kind of in the thick of it. There's. Yeah, but they're only four points out of a wild card spot. And at the end of the day, if your entire identity is just. Sorry. Yeah, but games in hand on all of them. You know, I mean, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I'm not saying it's easy, but they're still within shouting distance. And so I think that's the one thing is at least they had that seven game win streak to, you know, cushion the five game losing streak. Um, I mean, it's it's sometimes with this team, it's the way they do things. Like in a in a vacuum, knowing everything they had going on, if I told you they'd be sitting 12th in the conference within you know a puncher's chance of the playoff, if I told you this is where they'd be, without giving you the actual order of games, I don't think that you would be happy. But at the same time, it wouldn't be 
you know, bleak. But again, it's it's because of the way that, you know, almost setting an NHL record for longest stretch without a regulation win, followed immediately by almost setting a franchise record for wins in a row, followed by setting a franchise record for, you know, or not a franchise record, sorry, but first time in I think 10 years, something, something absurd for games without a single point. Like the way that they do things is just infuriating. Well, you know, this is the NHL. No soap operas. Just hockey. God. Uh, all right. So as you say, you know, they, they and looking, the, the positives are, right, so just if you go up to right around Calgary's in seventh place, right, Calgary's sitting with 36 points, seventh place, Dallas is in 12th with 32 points, so a four-point gap, and really Colorado in sixth is at 36 as well. I'm excluding them because they have 27 games played, so they're way up on everybody, but... You know, nobody ahead of Dallas. Calgary's five, four, and one. Edmonton's four, six, and zero. Winnipeg is five, four, and one. San Jose, five, five, zero. LA, five, four, one. There'll be a quiz later. But the the positives to me are, as you said, they don't have a ton of games in hand, but they have at least one over most of the people between them and the playoffs. And then the second piece is, it's not like anybody ahead of them is. You you talk about going on a 10-game streak. Hell, winning five or six in a row is probably enough to get a team into the playoffs right now, the way that the Western Conference is shaped up. So it's it's not, you know, given given what we know about where various teams are in the competitive cycle, seeing, you know, the two teams immediately ahead and behind the stars, you know, seeing those as San Jose, Los Angeles, Vancouver, and Chicago is a pretty brutal look. But as you point out, there are there are some green shoots of optimism as we head into the second half of the season. Sure. There's always optimism. There's always pessimism. That's the, you know, slice of life here. But the thing that I think the biggest thing for us will be to see how they come out of this COVID break mm-hmm. and how they respond in that first game. I think that's going to tell you a lot about how this team's going to be able to be. Because on the one hand, a mid-season break for Jamie Benn, for Tyler Sagan, for Radulov, for Pavelski, and all of the other old guys on the team, elder statesmen. And, and frankly, that even some good. of even some of the younger ones, given the minutes and the pride, you know, the way that you know, look at Hintz's health history, look at what this team requires of Miro on a night in and night out basis. Like even the young legs, I think you know, giving them a, an extra break isn't the worst thing in the world, just to, to exactly. expand your point. So, you know, in some ways, maybe they look at this and they say, okay, we get healthier and uh, we, we're fresher coming out of this, and, and, and then they can rattle off a win streak. At the same time, Dallas has proven time and time and time and time again that if you give them time off, they absolutely fall flat on their faces. Yes, strong, the strong starts... <laughs> With the exception of the of Pavelski and Sons, right? Strong starts aren't exactly this team's forte. Yeah, so so <laughs> I think we'll be able to tell a lot based on that. Um, so for me, I'm going to look at probably the five or six games that get whatever that looks like when they come back onto the ice. Um, and I think it'll depend on a number of factors, and and but they've got to find ways to win. And here's the thing. When they played St. Louis back in early December, um, St. Louis was having their own COVID issues, and they were in the midst of a franchise setting X number of games and, you know, one in a row. 
because they were able to just basically plug and play players and here's our system and here it is and it is what it is it's not cute but we're still able to win games so if dallas can figure that particular piece out maybe maybe it'll be fine I mean, maybe it will be. And I think, you know, other other bits of optimism, and, and this is, again, strictly in a hockey context, there's a personal cost. But it does seem like for the moment Dallas has solved their goaltending, right? The the previous kind of cluster of bodies in the crease and question marks and all of that, it looks like they at least they at least know what they want their plan to be moving forward. And, of course, performance is going to be a big part of it. So positives, that seems to be working. Um, they've got one line that that seems to be working for them as well. So there there are some building blocks, right? Jamie Ben has been more good than bad as a center ever since they moved him back there after inexplicably moving him off the pivot to start the season. So there's there's some stuff. There's some well, stuff. Well, him and him and Sagan and Gurianov had two really strong games there at the end of December um, which, before everything got paused. So yeah, which, maybe that's they kind finally of where I'm going. Those are guys line? the stars need in a big way. Yes, maybe they finally found that second line. Um, you know, and at the same time, maybe you hope that maybe just with rest and a, re, a mental reset, maybe maybe they can figure it out. Uh, you know, I, there's got to be a way to get back to that winning way. Um, and they were doing it before. Before, and you know, in some ways, the pause kind of sucks because you kind of felt like they finally started to get some momentum going after that five game losing streak. And then they won two and, <laughs> you know, I would just give a lot for just like some nice, easy four, two wins, like in a oh, row. Be amazing. <laughs> just make it easy on ourselves going down the stretch here. And but I, mean, I, I think that's, think that's particularly important be. because this team has been bad on the road so far. And, and if you want to, if you want to talk about getting better on the road, it's, they are going to need to find consistency outside of that top line as they you know need, start needing to pick up points away from uh, the American Airlines center. And I would hope that the coaching staff is doing their own internal review and um, reflection because to me, when a team has that stark of a difference between the road and home, um, that's going to come down to matchups and coaching. Yeah. And I so mean, I, 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 and I would expand hope. to, I would agree with you and expand to say it's, you know, you look for extreme splits home in the road. You look at teams that don't start well. You look at teams that, that go on bad streaks. Like there, there are a lot of things that, that imply, shall we say structure and organization. Yeah. So, you know, and the thing is, is we've seen a COVID pause have good impact on the team. Um, specifically, what Bonus and his staff did um, during the last COVID pause before the bubble run. And I mean, yeah, it didn't look great the first like three games out the gate, but they figured it out and they started Got pretty good after that, right? And that was good. So, like, you know, maybe, maybe they've had time to kind of sit back and that's not something that you get often during the season. So, I would hope that everybody's been taking advantage. Um, Tyler Sagan actually mentioned in his availability that with so few guys on the ice, you can't really work on like team structures or systems or anything like that, but you can work on your own individual skills. So you can work on, you know, going into the corners, you can work on your face offs, you can work on, you know, defending passes, you can work on tip shots, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think, 
in some ways you hope that the guys who have been healthy enough to stay on the ice have been able to utilize that time productively. <laughs> um, There's certainly some guys that need it. And he's, you know, Sagan is, is definitely on that list. And as much as we talk about Dallas's outlook and what they need to do to make progress in the second half of the season, a lot of that starts with they've, they've got to get more out of, out of him than they've seen so far this season to, to have it, in my opinion, to the, the path to sustain success is more production from, from Tyler. Well, it's not just Tyler. I mean, no. like real, um, Alexander Radulov's not exactly blowing, blowing it up, um, either right now, although he has been contributing a lot of assists. So like he's been, and I think that's, plays. that's good. And that's one of the differences. Um, like he can, he, he, he needs to do more, obviously, but there are, even when Radulov doesn't score, he there let me there are more ways that Alex Radulov can influence a game without scoring a point right yeah. now. In my in, from what I've seen so far this season, there have been a couple of games where he has actually played quite well and had nothing to show for it, whereas Universe is just not really being there. Yeah. Um you know, one of I think one of the great things that he does is just his puck possession, and that's not going to necessarily show. But when you're able to go out there and hound the opposition and keep the puck and cycle it and cause the other team to get pinned in their own zone, and you're able to make that line change, and he comes off the ice, and then the next shift is able to do some good. Like those are things that don't show up on the score sheets, but that we have seen him do this year. So yeah. like, to me, would it be nice if he popped in a few more goals? Absolutely. Um, and he will would, to be, to be very clear. He will, he, I, sorry, he will need to I'm not putting a marker saying he definitely will. Well, but why not? Why not? Right. Come on. Take a stand. <laughs> think, think can I love it. Okay. Then he will both in terms of has to, and in fact, will. Yeah, but then like you, you know, you'd like to see more out of the Ruffle Fox Glendinning set. Ugh. I would really appreciate Jacob Peterson being put into more of a uh, role where he could succeed. Um, <laughs> so I think there are some things, and and you hope that you know with this time off, maybe maybe you see some changes or some tweaks as a result. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. I mean, and that's, it's, it's, we talked about this a lot, a lot over the last couple of seasons, but it really, you know, once, once again, the Dallas stars have find themselves facing a a referendum stretch of games when, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's insane to say that they have the talent to be, you know, again, they shouldn't be mucking it up with the likes of San Jose, Los Angeles, Vancouver, and Chicago, right? That, that should not be, even if you take the most pessimistic take on on their rosters, you know, construction, right? That should not be their cohort, right? And so once again, we find ourselves facing a, a half season where Dallas really can, you know, prove themselves worthy of, of some of the accolades they court onto themselves, or they can, you know, fall again short of the expectations they set for themselves. Yeah, the one thing I will say is this team does – seem to respond when they're down and out so at least here of late so you know that gives me confidence that maybe maybe they'll just figure it out i mean i mean look, they've had how many to. years to figure it out who knows hope springs eternal 
how many years it's been all of the years (laughs) it's just it's hard to get me optimistic about this team until i see a little bit more is all i'm gonna say but but you're right that i think you're they are they are positioned to succeed or they they haven't let me a better way to say it they have the opportunity to succeed they're not um you know they're not hopeless (laughs) i mean yeah sure they're not hopeless um but they here's, have the you know to fail as well right he, yes they do yes they absolutely do um and but here's here's what i'm gonna say here here is your dose of optimism here's why you should be optimistic for the rest of the season goaltending yeah they got it as long as they can give them some run support every now and then <laughs> they're always gonna be in the games they're always going to have the opportunity to get points and, and win games so at the end of the day, you've got the most critical piece. The rest of it just needs to work itself out. Well, and I'd go so far as to say, so goaltending, obviously, you've also got one highly functional line, right? Pavelski, Robertson, and um, Cy Hintz. There we go. That's who it is. <laughs> you can tell we haven't watched hockey in in a minute i just it's you know maybe i need to postpone my podcasting but the in, in addition been? to the goaltending there there is a line that you know kind of the, the old the old days right when it was sagan ben and spetsa followed by sagan ben and radulov right they've all they they have again a security blanket unit that you can throw over the boards and more often than not you're going to have a good night and and get a couple get a couple in the back then or at least get a couple of chances so and I'll even extend it further. Then you've got you've got Miro, right? So you've got a bona fide number one defenseman. You've got a bona fide number one scoring line, and and from all indications are you've got a pair of very good goaltenders in your crease, and those are not terrible building blocks. John Klingberg says, "Hey." I mean, I'm just results vary. <laughs> yeah, although I like that you call, you called them adequate, like. <laughs> like Pavelski and Sons has been one of and by the way I don't like that I don't like that nickname we gotta do better but it is I, what it I is see, right I now. like it because of the tracksuit picture you know you got got a, got a nice got a nice net here be, be a shame if some pucks got in it you know they're good they're good boys <laughs> oh man but yeah, they're like one of the hottest lines in the league so to call them adequate <laughs> feels maybe a little put a little more respect on them as well <laughs> that's you know that's fair that's entirely fair they're they're not just adequate they're you know most most teams would you know, they're, they're the envy of, of almost the entire league that that line has been dynamite has been unplayable has been everything this everything the stars could possibly have dreamed of and, and even more so so I, I was actually reading something the other day about um some of some of micah's numbers and some of the the stats and jason Robertson is presenting a very interesting challenge for some modeling and projections right now because Jason Robertson has never been bad. And it's a very strange thing. Like a lot of, you know, NHL models, they'll look at multiple seasons, trying to account for the peaks and the valleys and trying to get to what the player is actually doing. And then you get to Jason Robertson, who has been successful from pretty much the moment he stepped on the ice with the Dallas Stars. And it really screws up projecting his growth long term because none of the models assume, can assume that there will be any tail off or, or any trailing, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah, suck it, Dom. 
<laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So we've talked a little bit, we talked quite a bit about what's good and, and kind of where we're hopeful and, and how there might be optimism. We've we've even skirted a little bit around some of the things this needs to improve. But before we before we get out of here, Taylor, I do want your thoughts around what is, in your opinion, the single biggest area that Dallas needs to improve to have a shot at climbing back into the playoff picture? I mean, they just gotta find a way to get points. Even if even if they're going to lose, they need to figure out a way to lose better. Um, we laugh and joke, and it, and it feels like a million years since they went to overtime seemingly every night. But now they haven't been in a while. And, like, you got to find a way it. to start losing better. It's, it's <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets right? If, if nobody can beat you in regulation, it's real hard to kill you. Exactly. So, to me, I think that's the biggest thing is 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 – because they have been in a lot of very close games um, up into the third period. So they've just got to figure out a way to either find that tying goal and get that point, even on nights when they maybe don't deserve it, or they need to figure out a way to start defending those leads so that they don't lose uh, the full two points like they did against Vegas. Um, that yeah. started their five game stretch. So that's a big one. And we talked earlier about it for me. It's, it's, you just can't you can't assume as good as that first line has been you, you need more right the the margins for success the way you know everything from the way that this team their st- their structure and their system is built to the the personnel they seem to have on the ice like everything has such fine and and such kind of tight margins whether it's finally finding a unit with Jamie Ben uh, or with Tyler Sagan that can get going, whether it's, it's, you know, finding, you know, getting another beast mode stretch out of Jamie Ben at some point in the back half, they just, there has to be a second unit that, that does more than just have a good game here and there. There needs to be a consistent secondary threat for this team to, to truly, you know, make itself a force right and, and there are plenty of candidates for it we've, we've mentioned most of them but they've they've got to find uh, they've got to find more we just need more just need more just need more because you know right now it's it, the other bit is right when they get a lead they're fantastic but um you know when they're not that when they can't they're not they're not they're not a great team chasing and and when you can do things matchup wise on the road to I won't say eliminate but mitigate the success of of Pavelski's line then they they struggle so at some point this team is going to have to win a game where they get absolutely not not just a game sorry at some point this team is going to have to win a stretch of games where they get absolutely nothing out of that first unit and right now it doesn't look like they could uh, but it looks like they probably should be able to if you just look at the you know the overall roster yep. And then I guess, I mean, the other thing I would say is maybe a secondary concern or area of opportunity is finding a way to score in the power play that doesn't involve John Klingberg. Um, And by that, I mean, like, look somewhat competent (laughs) as a power play unit when John Klingberg is not on the ice. So, yeah, that would be that would be the other thing I'd be looking at. Or just don't, and under no circumstances allow John Klingberg to not be a, a power play option on the ice for the Dallas Stars. Hint, hint, sign the man, hint, hint. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be a whole other thing that we're going to have to watch. Um, just going down the stretch here, you do wonder, uh, with all these games being postponed, what impact that might have on the trade deadline. Um, Frankly, the standings as well, right? It becomes... 
as as painful and obnoxious as it is right now to talk about the future of John Klingberg with the Dallas Stars, it's going to be a million times worse if we're, you know, past that that 50, 60 game mark and Dallas is is, you know, middling or hasn't been able to push themselves back into serious contention. Yep. So, you know, those are all things that the team needs to figure out for themselves which way they want to go. Do you want your GM to have motivation to go out and acquire players and get you help at the deadline, or are you not going that route? So like, you know, part of that's on the players. If you want to keep this team intact, you got to show up and you got to show out. Yeah. And, and, you know, from a, a management perspective, right now that you have a definitive answer on the Ben Bishop situation, right? You no longer, to a certain degree, right? This team was, and I'm sure they, I'm sure that that Jim Nill knew definitively earlier and more than any of us did. But to some degree, you had to factor in the, well, what if he makes it back line? And and you also had to factor in Anton Hudobin and all. Now you don't. And so I think you can move if if this team earns it right, either by performing well or performing poorly, you can move a little bit more um, definitively to plug a hole or to to acquire an asset, knowing that you're not likely to be stung on the back end by Ben Bishop's situation changing in a meaningful way. And all of a sudden you've got an extra five million dollars on your cap. Yeah, it definitely does, you know, free up some opportunities for him. Um, to be able to play with that L- LTIR relief, although you do wonder how much <laughs> how much all of this COVID stuff is going to impact that that cap picture. I do not envy having to be a cap expert um, right now in the league. I've never have, but especially now um, with all these crazy rules. So you do wonder how much Jim Nell really has to play with at the deadline. But you know, at the same time, it's like you said. Teams got to come out and and they've got to show which way that wind is going to blow, so to speak. Um, they do that by starting to put some points in the bank here. It would be nice, right? Coming out of the break, throwing some big wins together. That would be a uh, would go a long way to relaxing everybody. And I mean, like Dallas isn't above that kind of drama. They no. they literally do not have boring seasons. So to me, that's just the next step in the evolution of this season storyline. Is a uh, a big, big, strong start out of the gate here. So hopefully they uh, prove me right. And we'll see. And and at this point, we don't know when they'll have the opportunity to start proving you right again. As you mentioned, the game against Arizona is the earliest they could play. It has not been moved or postponed or anything like that yet. Uh, At the same time, it's not exactly etched in stone. So we'll probably have a couple of days yet before we really know when we'll see um, the Dallas Stars take the ice again. And we'll probably have a few more sleepless nights before we know who the Dallas Stars taking the ice will be uh, on that future night, whenever it might happen. So lots of of questions to answer, lots of work to be done uh, heading into the second half of the season. And uh, we're just going to have to be flexible as fans and, and hope that everything works out for the best, I suppose. Yep. You just got to wake up every day and say, what are we going to do today? One foot in front of the other. Well, thank you for having a little talk. We're going to try and get another one of these together. Talk some New Year's resolutions coming up. Not exactly sure when or or who will be involved in that, but, but uh, KT is working her magic there. Otherwise, um, 
don't forget to to like us and to download us, follow us on the socials, check out the DVD site. We do read and answer questions. So if you're ever curious or want to want to get a topic addressed on the podcast, let us know. Uh, any final words, Taylor? No, just everybody uh, stay healthy. There we go. Stay healthy. Um, and we'll see you in 2022.